0: Alrighty, Creecast, David here as per usual. I'm um, just doing a little, um, as I mentioned on the the preview pod. Um, listen to that if you haven't for the the Richmond game as well as talking about a couple of other good things um, with the the club at the moment. It's um, this this uh, this little recording, however long it goes. I'm only looking to do fifteen twenty minutes here, but we'll see how I go. Um, this is just um, my thoughts on the whole. Eddie Betts um revelations in his book this week and obviously the, the news that has dominated the AFL um and really cultural landscape because it is bigger than it's bigger than footy and it's a, it's very much a story about um um Australia and our continued inability to um deal with our colonial um oppressive history. Um this kind of stuff is just further um evidence that we just still don't know how to deal with this shit properly yet um as a country um and as particularly as the as the people um in power um that are often you know obviously people in power of footy clubs or you know government and all that are predominantly um the uh, ant- uh the the um descendants of the people that um entered this country um illegally <laughs> let's let's be real it wasn't it was an invasion. It wasn't Terra Nullius. It was um, a very much an inhabited country um, of the the First Nations people. And 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 this kind of, and, you know, people would be like, wait, what are you, why are you talking about all that stuff right now? Eddie Betts having a camp, um, those collectively fucked minds um, up there on the Gold Coast, misappropriating, um, you know, cultural artifacts and and just misappropriating. Private information about his private life, which again, you know, the life of—I haven't read the book, so I'm—I'm I'm just going off the things I've heard and you know about Eddie Betts. He's—he's he's talked about his um, upbringing and stuff, and there's there's things about you know people when they grow up, um, you know, just just the way they grow up, and sometimes the the disadvantages they have are due to um, again the, the the kind of institutionalized. Racism and colonialism that this country still exhibits in, on a day-to-day basis, and the fact that this camp, you know, misappropriated that information about, and you know, telling a, a proud Indigenous man that he's going to be a shit father because he's only had a mum, and like, and using information about his is you know his family life, which he's got a good family life, but he's got there's troubles in his background as well, and his growing up as well. He's very, he's you know, he clearly went into that in deep detail with these guys, and they completely. You know, imagine anyone going into a therapy session and then finding out that that stuff's being used against you in any way, like in any way, it would be, um, you know, just private information like that would would absolutely you'd be, you'd have a well, you know, a well reasoned case to go to court. But this, this, you know, he had it it'd be hurled at him on a camp like this that was meant to, um, somehow, I don't even understand what the thought process was from. Like, first of all, these people that run this camp must be absolute fucking psychos like the fact that they've done what they've done to try to cover this up and, and to the point of making major news organizations in this country, uh, retract stories that were clearly, um, you know, all the story, all the stuff that Caroline Wilson and Sam McClure were saying, um, that was retracted and they had to apologize for. Um, and Sam McClure had that tweet where he said that, you know, the truth is incontro, incontrovertible. Um, I've probably completely butchered that, but, um, um, he just had that tweet that then he quickly deleted, but you could tell that these guys weren't willing to give up. And they've actually been, without you know going beyond the realms of whatever agreements they had to agree to by these media org- organisations, because this collective minds loyal, lawyered up and did what they did um, to get these stories out. They they stood by those stories in whatever way they could without you know obviously um, getting themselves in trouble. And, and clearly there was a reason they did that, because they knew this stuff. And Caroline Wilson was on the radio with... Um, Stephen Rowe today and she said you know, "We've, I've known this stuff was going to come out at some point um, we all knew um, I've talked to plenty of people and, and even Rowe, what's amazing is guys like Rowie, who he admits that um, he was you know he's a crow man so he just wanted to believe the club but he, he was like yeah I'd heard this stuff I just didn't want to believe it I'm like well fuck there's so much smoke out there so much smoke that like when that you know, that stories retraction thing in February happened. Um, I just sat there and thought, no, this, this isn't, this isn't the end of this. Like I just at that time. And I think Ken to Twitter, he was just like, you yeah, know, this isn't this, there is more here still. Like, and everyone in Adelaide that want just, I, I, is that, you know, the project podcast, they've got a bunch of tweets still in their account about, you know, just absolutely railing on Sam McClure and they just, they should be out there giving him, him an apology. Um, if Rowe he said he's not going to because he just thinks there's a smugness about how, what's how Sam McClure reports on all the sh- stupid shit the crows do. <laughs> he's like, no, that's the way he reports about, you know, the camp and the Taylor Walker stuff. And I'm like, well, that stuff was terrible. Like, if you want to hold a grudge because of the smug tone that you think he had, then that says more about you and your inability to face the actual events than... It does Sam McClure. Like you know, I have no love or hate for Sam McClure or Caroline, Caroline Wilson. They pissed me off as much as anyone. They were doing their job and they did it. They did the job here and they did not. Considering how much their careers were threatened, I, mean, I think they they were strong enough in their careers that they were still going to be fine. You know, Caroline Wilson's been fine. Sam McClure has continued to do what he's doing. Like they they luckily were up up enough in their careers that this wasn't you know career ending. But they've you know, we're talking about mental health with all this stuff. Like this this is a mental health issue as well with this Eddie Bet stuff, as well as the cultural, all that stuff, the racism about it. But we want to talk about the mental health here. And, you know, all these people that just absolutely railed on um, Sam McClure on, you know, Twitter. Like I said, the, those Krojek tweets are still there. And because um, I remember seeing them pop up on my feed at the time, I was like, I don't know why you'd taken a victory lap as bold as this when there's something more coming. And then soon after, I think we knew that Nettie Betts book at that point was coming and it was kind of like, you know, in my head, I was just like, wait until that Betts book comes out before you really, because he's going to be the one that'll either say, wasn't that bad or he's going to have some details. And boy, did he have some details. Um, I think anyone that's listening to this knows them already. Um, I'll just talk about them in generalities when I'm talking about my feelings. I'm not going to go reading excerpts and stuff because it's, um, you know, people, if you're listening to this um, and you haven't, read anything much on it yet, I'd recommend going and just looking up. Uh, just search Eddie Betts camp, Eddie Beck's book camp and you'll find any any number of articles that are either um it was an age article that originally had a lot of the details the evening before the book was released um that really blew things up even the night before and then obviously radio it was released yesterday. This is Thursday night, August fourth and it was released yesterday the third. Um you know, it was just, it was obvious to me and I think it was obvious to a lot of people that actually just sat back and, and people will say, well, you're a port man, of course you were just looking for something else and it's just like, no, like, it, it, there's that many stories that come out from clubs I hate around it and, you know, that, uh, you know, you hear something and you're like, and but not much else and you go, oh, probably wasn't much there. That's fine. Even the Taylor Walker stuff last year, when I first heard it, I was like, nah, nah, there's not going to be much there. And then it just continued, and then you realize it was like, oh, shit, okay, this is just going down. And this actually happened. Um, when you heard the contrition from Adelaide pretty quickly, it was like, oh, boy. Um, okay, so, yeah, there's a story here. But, and, again, this camp stuff, it's, it's, it's lingered for so long, and there's been so much innuendo about it. And there's been clearly, that, you know, you could just see it in the club, the way they, they you know, 2018 went down and some of the whispers that were coming out. It was, and there was no different, wildly varying reports. It was all very quickly that this kind of stuff that Eddie Betts has written about happened. It was innuendo about it. There wasn't exactly that much spite. You know, the detail that he's gone into, you know, is very clear. It was very murky. It was, like, it was, you know, there was stuff said about the, you know, the misappropriation of, uh, of an ind- indigenous artifact or whatnot. There was that kind of stuff came out, but it wasn't you didn't get too much more than that on and, but you just heard that there was like the Richmond song being blindfolded. I even remember hearing something about the fact that they weren't allowed to shower, um, you know, a couple of years ago and that's in there as well. So it was all there. Like we, and, and clearly Eddie has said that the, he gave this to the AFL and the club and all that stuff. And, um, and they did nothing about it. And that's, that's the real tragedy of the story to me and why it's bigger than just the crow. Like, you know, I could sit here and just laugh at the crows, but it, it's not, it's just not funny. Like, it's, 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 you know, the crows, it's predictable because the crows have had have repeated instances in the last decade of just doing, trying to find a way through the system. Like, even if you go back to the Kurt Tippett stuff, it was just them trying to flout the system. And then this is just a weird, weird thing that they thought they could. They thought this mind, like mind training, that they were going to untap some potential that, you know, another club hadn't. And I really found it quite confronting when Eddie Betts said last night, like he was on AFL 360 and I think it was, it's an incredibly, I think this is the other thing I'll say before I continue on. Eddie Betts is such a wonderful, incredible man, incredible human being to take, because no one deserves to have to take this weight, especially when it comes down to racism and just cultural, you know, just the constant, constant cultural misunderstandings that he, people like, you know, he has to deal with, you know, he, he, should, he, he should just be able to live, you know, and just, you know, but he takes on such a weight, um, you know, upon himself to kind of highlight these issues and he, and he takes on this weight of obviously writing this book, knowing that this camp stuff, cause he, you know, and you know, fuck all the fucking cunt Crows fans out there that are saying it's all about money bloke played three hundred and fifty games and one of the greatest greatest to ever do it. He's still working in the NFL. he's in the media. It doesn't mean the, he, that book was gonna sell regardless so um, but man, the weight he takes on, but what he said last night, um you know he said a coach was murdered. We came together after that. Why the fuck did they think they know? Well, he didn't say, why the fuck, this is just me? Unfortunately, just my anger. Saying kind of what you know, agreeing and saying what he's saying at the same time, I'm like, why the fuck did they need to go to this level? It's just unbelievable to me. And you know, it's it, the other crazy thing. Um, I think it was uh, oh, who was I listening to? There's been a few actually. Ken Corns no, I was on the radio this morning and he said, um, you know, that uh, they, they had a camp in 2004, but. It, the thing that so that camp in two thousand and four that port had was you know, they went to it was Alistair Clarkson that um was on that uh, did that camp uh was a real driver behind it, and obviously everyone but the the team just went to New Zealand hikes and mountains it was this is the thing teams just need to do stuff together, and it's often you know you do physical stuff together where it'd be hiking mountains or you know I don't know some teams do done Kokoda at times um the Kokoda trail for those not up with Australian history was the trail through um New Guinea um in World War Two, um, that uh the, the Australian soldiers used um to escape the Japanese and um it was really it's really um it's not really a trail. Um it's uh it's um it's quite a just a trek through the jungle and, and just incredibly, incredible odds. It's that's why it's such a um story of Australian wartime folklore that the Australian soldiers um made it through that trail and um with the help of the locals as well but um yeah it's it's so it's a, it's a thing that people do um you know you can do you can sign up to do Kokoda trail trips and stuff and I know some teams have done it so you're doing stuff like that you know as a team building exercise that you d- that you're just doing physical things that like require you to you know support your team and whatever and it's kind of like being on a footy field you are not you it's not mental stuff it's just it is mentally taxing but it you the support of your teammates gets you through those physical activities and Robert Shaw on the footyology podcast, he's, he's, he said, I've been camped camp since the 70s. You know, I've done camp since the 70s. And I've done footy camps, that, you know, and and all this kind of stuff that, um, you know, required. And, you know, back then it was all like man up and stuff like that as well. But he said even none of our camps got to the point of attacking your masculinity and so much so um, kind of getting really really deep into like oh you've got to be a man like the, this collective mo- collective camp thing the way they really focused on masculinity and all that stuff was just he said we never did like we just did physical things and then we'd sit down for a beer afterwards and have a chat and that was good because you went through a hard day and you sit down and chat about it in a casual way as a team like you don't sit there and have noble silence is this one of the things that this camp had? You know, you can't talk about your day with your teammates. You're either berating them with abuse um, or listening to someone else berate them with abuse. You're not showering or anything, and then you have to focus on your masculinity and all these weird, that fucking groin thrust stuff and all. That. It's just, it's unbelievable to me that that we have years and years of history of teams going to camps, um, and for some reason the Crows thought that this was going to be unlock something that this kind of treatment of people dehumanizing treatment of people could unlock something and yeah we all teams are always looking to go that extra mile um to unlock that extra one percent that gets you to being a championship team but it should never be um you know you should never be de breaking down someone so terribly like that and thinking that kind of camp would do it um because I assume some of the crows, people at the crows, knew what this camp was about. So it's just, it's just unbelievable to me. Um, I'm going to take a quick break just to um, refresh my glass, and uh, and I'll get back into it and talk a bit more about what my main concerns are, more so around the wider implications of what this means for the AFL. As well, the crows, there's some things that I just, I'm a little bit concerned about continuing. Like they say, most of the people are gone, but there's a few major figures, um, both off the field and on the field, that are still there that have a lot of culpability in this for me. So I'll be back in a moment. All right, so I'm back. Um as I said, I think the central tragedy to this first of all, before getting into the weeds of some of the other stuff, is Eddie Betts. Like this is a story about Eddie and um and what was one of the great AFL careers and there's many ways to talk about great AFL careers, whether it be, you know, a guy like Lance Franklin who's won premierships, obviously kicked his thousand goals, all that stuff, legends of the game in that way. And then you've got guys like Eddie Betts who never won a premiership. Um, you know, there's no common medals, I don't think, in his career. He wasn't, you know, because it's often the big four, like there's ov- obviously the big forwards that consistently kick the bags and Eddie was, you know, he's a small four. He still kicked bags, obviously. Um, I think it was Crow's leading goalkeeper a few times, obviously. But... um his career is both one of the most exciting players I've ever watched and an incredible player, an incredibly talented player. Longevity, obviously 350 games, Carlton uh, for a lot of years and obviously Adelaide. But what his career was was just um, uplifting because his play, like it was a, like he started his career and he couldn't get consistent on the footy field because he was like, he, you know, I think he was a bad boy. Eddie at one point was a name for him in Melbourne. I can't remember, but... I'm not going to get too much into that. It's in his book. I read his book about you know his life and stuff like that. But his career, you know, he got himself together after a few, first few years. And yeah, young lads sometimes in footy, you know, that can be the case. But really turned into a great player at Essendon, Carlton, and then obviously came to Adelaide and became a player that. Um, and I've been a footy fan since the early nineties when I was you know first discovered a footy, and um, what I remember um, in South Australia in the mid nineties was there was no bigger player in the AFL in Adelaide than um, um, one Tony Modra and there's only one player that is kind of there's been great many great players at Adelaide you know that have been great you know whether you're talking about Andrew McLeod and Andrew McLeod was certainly exciting as well Um, you know winning Norm Smith or Mark Shooter winning the Brownlow you know Simon Goodwin Tyson Edwards all those different players Scott Thompson if you're talking later years Um, but the kind of talent that excites that that X Factor spark I haven't seen a player. There's only t- and a few people have made this point this week as well. Tony Modra had that, and since then it's been Eddie Betts. Like the fact, you know, the Eddie Betts pocket, the the chance of Eddie, the way he could, the way the goals he would kick, and then the way he would celebrate with the crowd. It was like he was their god. He was theirs. He was part of them. He had one of the most beautiful and like I hate I hate the Crows obviously, and I had a begrudging. <laughs> And there's players at the Crows that don't respect at all. Like, obviously, Tex Walker for reasons that would be pretty obvious. Um, I didn't even like him before. Like, I just had a weird feeling. Of, I've always had a weird feeling about Tex Walker, and that's been somewhat vindicated as as things have come out over the past few years. Um, and I'll get into more of Tex Walker in a moment because I think there's a part in this that is, doesn't sit well with me at all, um, with him being captain at the time that this Eddie Betts stuff happened. Um, but t- Eddie Betts was a player that I always just say, I fucking hate playing against him. But I I don't hate him like it's it's just I hate having to play against him showdowns when he was on the field and he was he was in form it was just like you know it could just you could be defending well you could be pretty much have the crows forward line in check but he, you just let him get off the like he just he just gets a cider goal like the goals he could kick it was just he could be he was a game changer and he was he was so exciting he was their guy and. um you know, it was a begrudging respect, obviously. Like, I actually respect the hell out of him. I've never had anything against him as a man or anything like that. I just hated playing against him. It was purely sporting um, rivalry hate. <laughs> you know, he's friendly hate. No, hate's the wrong word. It's just friendly rivalry stuff, really. Um, I was glad when he went back to Carlton just because didn't have to deal with him. But it's, the tragedy of it is is that, you know, he was starting to look like he was on his way out anyway as he went back to Carlton, but he still had some magic. But... You realize seeing this story, like he said, like he hasn't, doesn't feel like he's been the same since the camp and, and he lost his, he, his love for the game, hasn't been, had, has never been the same since then. It is absolutely unforgivably tragic that they basically took their most exciting player and their most beloved player since a guy like Tony Modri and he's on that level. Their most beloved player and a guy that had just played in the grand final for them. And if they'd done just the normal team thing that year, they might have been they could have been talking about going back to the finals the next year, but obviously everything fell apart and whatever else. And um they took that player, this player that was so beloved, and just completely mentally shattered him. And I I don't like this line that's coming out of the crowd. Like the like Tim Silvers is at an important, and he wasn't at the time at the club at the time anyway. He said sorry and whatnot, but I still think there's just this stuff that's coming out from the crows that, oh, you know, the camp had good intentions. What fucking good intentions? What fucking good intentions come from letting those kind of people mess with the heads of play like guys like Eddie Betts? There is no good intentions from that camp for me. Like, that's the thing. Stop fucking pussyfooting around with who these people are around this camp. They are horrible fucking people. If that's what they kind of thing they think they can do to someone to try to find some extra level. Yeah, it might work for some sadistic fuckwits out there that need that kind of... You know, this is the thing that keeps saying, oh, camp's not not for everyone. But it's like, well, I think the the Port Adelaide players in 2004 and we're all like... Maybe some people weren't exactly into fucking hiking mountains and stuff like that, but it's not... It's it's, You're talking a variance of enjoyment of hiking mountains rather than people having every personal detail of their life and just absolutely abused and, and thrown at them in a way that completely ment- mentally shatters them and changes the way they look at the game of football. The game that had given him so much and he'd given us so much as fans of the game, as lovers of the game and what he'd given us. And just, I hate this line that's coming out right now. And, you know, Mark Rusciuto needs to fucking hand his re- resignation already. He should have done it before. The fact that he's known all this stuff because he's, no- he's known. he's He's... He's lied. Like if this was caught and he said all that stuff under oath, boy oh boy. I mean, we're seeing Alex Jones get in trouble for obviously things that are like the things that he's done said are terrible at like the Sandy Hook stuff. That's getting into the weeds of um, some stuff in the U.S. news. But um, you know he's in trouble for perjury, you know possible possible perjury because he's under, lied under lied under oath about text messages and all that stuff. If Mark Rischuto is lucky, that he didn't go under oath about this stuff and try to try to d- deny it because. You know, his denials and the club's denials and Brett Burton's and and most importantly to me actually is Taylor Walker's and Rory Sloan's because they fucking knew. Those fucking cunts knew. And I don't have any love for Taylor Walker, but Rory Sloan's a player I've actually had a lot of respect for as well and I'm pretty disappointed that they've, they've got to have known. And the fact that those guys were in that leadership group and Taylor Walker was captain at the time and Eddie Betts felt... Eddie Betts was proud of his role in the leadership group, and he took a leadership role with the with the um, Indigenous lads at the club, and and tried to get the, and tried to have a dialogue about, hey, this, look, this isn't working for us, and it's a bit troublesome. Um, here's the details: we're just not going to have any part of it. And for Eddie Betts to just suddenly find out three weeks later, he stood down from the leadership group, and I think there was I heard something on the radio that maybe they were downsizing it anyway, but Eddie Betts wasn't coming out of that leadership group if if he hadn't gone. Um, tried to do the right thing about that camp so now whose decision was it in that leadership group to do that I don't know I don't know how these things work in footy clubs exactly I haven't looked into what the crows did but they should have fought if they had um any cojones about them they would have fought for Eddie Betts to stay in that leadership group if it was a club but they they like Eddie Betts himself has said that that camp was brainwashing and and clearly either you know Walker and. Sloan were brainwashed or just following the party line, whatever, you know. There was good... <laughs> good people became Nazis too, whatever. Like, it's just... It's fucking ridiculous that those... Those fucking guys completely left Eddie Betts out the dry. And, like, a player that, you know, if Eddie Betts wasn't there for those years, they don't even get, You know, that team was a great team that got to that grand final. They were the best team in the league that year and it's hilarious that they lost that grand final. And the irony is some of that fucking stuff that happened in that grand final, they, they, they'd had collective... With in the lead up to the, in the, in that season and they had the, the power stance stuff and all that weird shit was because of them and it's the irony is that they they possibly fucked them mentally going into that game i don't know but a guy like eddie betts that helped them get to that spot he was the x factor the star um you know the fact that he they just completely left him out to dry is just it, it is so troublesome to me and i think it speaks to you know, and people keep saying, Oh, the people at the club have changed, the culture's different. And I'm like, Well oh, fucking it's only it's about this time last year that the uh, Taylor Walker racism stuff came up. And that was, you know, three years three and a half years after the fact of the camp and so and he's the club kind of washed over that and had their shitty tweets about him coming back to play and and um only suspended him for six weeks and the AFL's complicit in all this as obviously as well. Um, safe and so this is just Taylor Walker suspension stuff. So when you say to me that everyone's gone, it's a different culture. I'm like, well, no, it's not. It, it, it's improving, hopefully. Obviously, especially with the Taylor Walker coming back, and hopefully he's finally learning something. But clearly, it was a culture that start whether it started with the camp, I don't know. But there's a culture of absolute just towing the party line to the point that you'll fuck over your mate on your mate on the footy field um, for the sake of the club and and spit back these rehearsed lines and. And that's troublesome to me and that's um speaks to a lot of the you know, obviously we've seen the crows be a bit of a shit show over the last few years. Um and it's been hilarious as port fans to see them be a shit show. Um it's sad that <laughs> this kind of thing is a major reason as to why um they are a shit show. And uh and like I said, that that, that stuff with Eddie um again, that's just the central tragedy of it to me is that uh he um you know, his career was just forever... Um, his The end of his career should have just been a celebration, a continuous celebration. And it was, like, you know, his last couple of years at Carlton, obviously, he was a bit in and out, and you could see the signs were there that he was finishing up. But, um, you know, he seemed to be okay. Like, But it's just that you can see now why his last four years were just completely different to his, you know, what what had been up until that point, particularly the years leading up to... The, the, the Crows years leading up to that grand final. Like, he was just... um. One of the most dangerous players in the league, and uh, and I find it insanely, insanely troubling that uh, the Crows um, still continue. Yeah, Tim Silver's had the apology, and I've reached out to Eddie and all that stuff, but I still think he he would have had to have some idea of what was coming, and that like he should, if they they knew this book was coming for a while, that probably things were going to get spilt. Maybe they should have got out in front of it and said, "Hey, look." we know what's coming in the SETI book. Um, we're going to get in front of this and say, look, we fucked up. Like they've they've waited for the book to come out and then finally like, oh God, all the evidence is out there. Now, we'll, I guess we'll have to, we have to apologize now. That's the thing that still sits wrong with me is that they knew this book was coming. They knew this stuff had happened. Um, and whether, I don't know what, you know, maybe it was, uh, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just still like, there's a lot of people saying, oh, the Crows are in a different culture. And I'm still like, there's still some massive improvements to the club to make. Um, to get past this for me and, um, Rashudo stepping down is number one. Um, but, uh, I, I know, I think Sloan went on five double a this afternoon. I haven't seen what he, he said, so I'll have to listen to that. But I think, um, you know, he's part, he's definitely one that's, um, does it needs to give a major apology. Um, but Taylor Walker is the one for me again, that I'll look at and just go, what the fuck have you been doing with your life at the crows? for last like, what a, what a leader, huh? What a fucking leader, you know? Absolutely fucking disgusting. Anyway, a quick break, and I'm just going to talk about um, just wider AFL stuff for a moment before I close up, as you know, because the AFL's got some problems here as well. Um, continued problems that the AFL continue as a league to show a complete lack of integrity um, in these kinds of inst- instances. I'll be back. It's going longer than I thought it would, but hey, whatever. Alrighty, so I think the wider AFL thing here for me. That's really troubling, and we've continued to see it. I mean, really, the AFL, since it's become the fully professional league it is, um, you know, from the 90s through to the 2000s and everything, there's a real good history, um, and I mean good as um, sarcastically as possible we can, of the AFL going heavy-handed on the stuff it doesn't need to, um, to make a point, when something is actually deeply, deeply troubling and uh and you know for the afl as a media shitstorm of trying to deal with it they um they suddenly seem to just try to make it as minor a deal as possible and it seemed to be the case with this again because Eddie Bet says you know he i told the afl i told this i told that you know worksafe sa and it seems like an entire pretty much cover up system was put in place to try to just try to mitigate this as much as possible and and sorry mitigate minimize the um kind of impact of this story and try to just sweep it under the rug, you know, and hope just no one talks about it. You know, probably hope that Eddie Betts, when he writes his book, um, but to me, it, it, the weird thing is it feels like Eddie Betts was all, all, like, troubled from this by this right away, obviously, and he was never going to, like, whenever he got the chance to say something, he was going to say something, you know, obviously he written, you know, wait until the end of his career, and probably the time but actually it and people keep saying, why didn't he come out sooner? It's just like, it's the same dickheads that go, oh, why didn't you tell, you know, you know, you know when you know, a girl gets raped and people go, oh, you should have gone straight. It's like, it's trauma and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, you know, rape is different things, but people do this all the time with rape victims. It's like victim blaming. Like, why didn't you go sooner? Do this, do that. You know, why didn't you deal with it the way I would have dealt with it? You know, it's easy to, you know, it's kind of like armchair coaching. It's easy to say what you do when you're having a level-headed thought, but think about it. When you've actually endured the trauma Whatever trauma that may be, it can be very difficult to try to synthesise it and work out the best thing to do. And he actually did try. You know, he he's he's said that. He, you know, I I you know the camp at the time. It would have been good if someone else stood up for him. And um, and uh, but you know, it sounds like he tried to go to the AFL and, and the club and 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 talk about it and really got shut down. And probably at that point, he probably was just like I don't know where else to go. So he went on with his career and finished his career. And then when he got the chance to write a book, it's like well. Bam! I'm going to put it in my book, and and I just I, I find it so crazy that the AFL and then as soon as Eddie probably started being, you know, not playing the ball game, the AFL and the Crow should have known all this is going to come out at some point. If he's this this bothered by it, something will come out at some point, and players or something it's just gonna it's going to come out at some point. So why did they? Why did they cover And is that just the, the hubris of the Crows in the AFL to think that they could cover it up for this long? And and I, I guess I'm answering my own question. I'm saying, yeah, it probably is. Because um, Michael Warner, like, it's pr- people have talked about it. Um, Michael Warner's book, The Boys Club, that came out last year. I read it this year, but it came out last year. I think I I'd waited. I'd, I was lo- I'd, As soon as it came out, I was like, it's on my radar. I just didn't get around to reading it until the start of this year. But and it's not really surprising as someone who's an AFL fan, but I'm a massive cynic about just the <laughs> people that anyone in positions of power i'm cynical about um whether it be a government or or sports leagues cuz you know once you're in it is you know once you get into those those positions of um intoxicating power um it can be hard to actually continue to be a good human um, at times unfortunately it seems and uh, the afl has proven that over the years whether it be you know the west coast scandal and and how they handled that or um supplement saga you know the, if you look at the supplement saga and how they handled the afl handled that it was um it was really is it's just that book read it and then you'll get an idea of the afl we're dealing with and it is really just um absolute power with no no oversight there's no independent oversight of who how the afl runs or anything like that and they just they just do what they want to do at a whim based on how they feel they can handle it and um and so there's no plan for this kind of stuff and and when and it's going to look bad for the afl so and if it's going to look bad for the afl um it's just going to provide a scandal that it isn't beneficial to the AFL and they'll try to cover it up. And that's kind of what I think happened here. It wasn't beneficial to the AFL or the Crows to have this kind of stuff ha- come out and be the story it is now, obviously. Because um, obviously it's a massive um, breach of, um, you know, the, the works, the, the WorkSafe SA, how they passed this, I don't know. And some people have been saying it was Crows person that investigated. I don't know that level of stuff. But when you see how ridiculous this situation is, you know, who knows, there's nothing, nothing you can't say could have happened until you don't have the proof that didn't happen. Um, You know, the AFL is so complicit in this. um, uh, You know, the crows have their complicity in it. Obviously the people that run this camp, um, I've already said a complete fuckwits to think they can treat humans like that. And I won't back down from saying that because that's just, it's just a horrible way to treat a human. And I, I, I just don't understand um how they think that could be yeah uh, you know, they say some people have gone through it and thought it was great so whatever I don't know um and the, the different groups in the camp that went through different things that just shouldn't be a part of it what Eddie Betts went through and and some of the other boys clearly went through as well um but yeah the AFL um this is this is an AFL, this is a massive issue for our league to you know, finally confront, you know, they've gone through so many issues over the years that they've kind of, you know, and, and the racial insensitivity stuff. Well, I started the podcast by t- kind of talking about that this is a another moment in time in our country and and particularly and focusing on the AFL, another moment in the AFL that we realize how far away we are from actually truly embracing and understanding and having an educational understanding of indigenous culture. Um i' can't, I'm, not, I'm not a scholar on it myself either, but I certainly try to be a listener and, and understand and be culturally sensitive and not speak on things that i I don't know about and what I don't know about like clearly the 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 use of um, artifacts and stuff and 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 just and just how do you speak to people that have gone through trauma and if you don't un- understand that trauma like Eddie Bet's trauma from his childhood or whatever, then don't use it against them. Because clearly you didn't understand it. Because you would have known if you understood it, then you never would have gone to that place with him. And um, and you know the AFLs had repeated instances. You know, Nicky Winmar lifting. You know, that raucous, horrible Victoria Park crowd that was abusing Nicky Winmar and Gilbert McAdam in that game in 1994. Nicky Winmar with the famous lifting the shirt and sh- showing this is my skin, this is who I am. That should have been a moment of reckoning, but it w- and it was in many ways. But then we get through to. Adam Goods being completely sh- you know, again, one of the greatest players to ever play this game and, and being completely abused out of the game for and again cultural ins and there's still so many people out there that that think Adam Goods was just a being a bad like you see whenever Adam Goods stuff comes up, there's so many people that still don't understand on on the social media and stuff like that. And then and so we and the, so then but we have indigenous round and all this stuff. So Doug Nichols round and oh we've you know, these Guernseys that show this artwork and all that stuff and I love it. Like I buy the Guernseys and I love what we do for the game in that sense of trying to wreck, but we still have so far to go because this really shows that the AFL, the AFL truly believed in all this stuff. Then they would, they wouldn't, um, you know, they wouldn't, this wouldn't be a like, we wouldn't be dealing with this issue. Like Eddie Betts having an issue at his camp should have been transparently dealt with. And 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 that would have been the AFL saying yes we truly have an understanding a cultural understanding of what this what this was this is not on it won't happen again, and if it had happened at the time and Eddie to this stuff up we, we this camp stuff would have been it would have been a scandal at the time like it would have been like oh geez that's horrible but it would have been dealt with at the time and that was four years ago or four and a half years ago whatever it, whatever it is now, but now it's four years later so we're dealing with the scandal of the camp and then all the cover up stuff and all the all the what is wrong with these people's stuff. And that's like the thing that didn't need to happen if you just deal with it at the time. And uh the AFL is complicit in that. And I, I say this as a port fan. Um we I you know, as I come from a bias point of view being a port fan, I'm pretty proud of what our club does in the indig- like we have great programs in place for the you know, the power aboriginal programs, all that stuff and the great people in place at the club. Like we've had um you know Paulie Vandenberg was a long time, um you know, guy at the club leading all that stuff, and there's like there's a significant stuff that Port Adelaide does to um, engage Indigenous issues and and our First Nations people and and, be, and you know Torres Strait Islanders and all that stuff. They they do significant work in that area to make sh- and and we should be proud of that as Port fans. Well, let's let's look at this as a moment to really go, hey, let's always hold our club to account if any of this stuff ever comes up. You know, because you know Port Adelaide, it has a great record and and all that stuff. But let's always be, you know, there's been fan issues, and I, I don't hide from that. People always like to. It's one of the crazy things with the Crows fans on Twitter at the moment. They like try, they <laughs> that are just going, oh, what about Banana Girls? Like, yeah, we acknowledge that there's shit fans at every club, but um, this is your club's issue, actually. So stop. <laughs> um, but um, you know, always, you know, it's a moment of to recognise what not to do and sit there and go, all right, we're proud of our club for not getting into these kind of issues, but let's keep holding them to account and keep making sure this club um, has these high standards of, of what we expect as fans, of how our club deals with these issues. And I think it's a moment to just uh, um, acknowledge, yeah, it's great that they do the right thing, but um, um, make sure that we, you know, keep up these high standards as fans and our demands on the club is that, you know, any issues like this that pop up, you deal with tr- quite transparently. Um because this is this is textbook 101 of how not to deal with um an issue like this because you know the longer you sweep it under the rug especially when it's it, the leak aspect of it was so uh, it was just so out there that it's just it was bound to come out you know it's just it's crazy how this this one's gone down um but yeah for me it's just um it's a real tragic story for Eddie Betts and I'm glad I'm so pleased that he seems to be doing okay like you know he's written a book which has probably been a cathartic process for him obviously probably re- reopening some wounds as he writes it and and obviously deals with the fallout now but um I applaud his strength and and his and his strength and his convictions as who he's who he is as a human uh, I applaud his family his wife anna who's dealing with some un- undeserved absolutely undeserved horrible abuse on on the socials at the moment as well with people talking about um Oh, it's just she's behind all this because you know, it's like, oh, sorry, Eddie went home and talked to his wife, his confidant, about this stuff, and and she got angry because that's what a good you know you know a good partner in a relationship does. You stand, you know, you'd recognize the things that shouldn't happen to your partner and and, and stand up for them. So, um, um yeah, strength strength to the Betts family, really. Um, you know, Eddie continued going forward. Um, obviously. Um, and let's read the book and look at it he, he said himself there's so much that he's dealt with in his life like racism wise uh, beyond this um, as well as his life um, that he'd love people to get out of it and, and be angry about too like be angry about the racism and all that stuff and um, you know I, I've spent this whole podcast talking about the camp stuff obviously which has a ra- there's a racism aspect to it for me as well but um, you know read the book and get the good stuff out of it too that would be great too but um, yeah strength to the Betts family and um and just uh you know, continued, um, let's continue to be, um, you know, open to, uh, you know, know, just open to critiquing this league and, and the, and, and the AFL for just, and make sure we hold everyone to account, including our club, if this stuff ever comes up, you know, that's the big thing I want to get out there too, uh, finishing up here is we can be proud at Port Adelaide that we haven't had to deal with this kind of thing, but, um, you know, I'm also mature enough to know that you know. It's, it's sometimes, you know, even this camp stuff, it could have, like it could have been dealt with quietly at you know better at the time. But people, people, the natural human reaction is to try to just oh, just just push it away, push it away, do this, do that, and hope that it goes away, and it just didn't. Um, you know, Port could be guilty of something like that in the future. We don't know. Um, it depends who's at, who's in you know who's in power at the club. So we've got to make sure we always um, hope that the best people are in place. Um, and just uh and hold our club to account and make sure that we uphold standards, um, you know, of how we treat people, um, far better than the other mob in town have been doing um in the past few years. So yeah. Strength of the Betts family and uh yeah, thanks for listening. If you have listened this far and listened to this episode, I appreciate it because it's um it's obviously not very port centric or anything like that, but it's just something I wanted to Kinda of talk about and I know I've forgotten I've probably forgotten some stuff that I meant I've I've thought about over the last day or so, but um it's really just a just a no just a fucking word jumble, um some word vomit, get it get it out there, get my thoughts out there and talk about it a bit. So thank you for listening and um yeah, calm the pair.